Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Double Drill Podcast. I'm your host, D.S. Walk. And before I continue, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, listening to my show. Deeply appreciated. And I also want to apologize for being way too long. You know, I had a little issue, surgery, procedures done, and I'm almost back to 100% health. God is good. I am still here. So let's get right to it. We are at the all-star break in the NBA. Man, it seems like this first half of the season just went by pretty damn fast. I mean, we've seen um, yeah, a lot of things happen. For example, we see the New York Knicks are back in the talk of things. They are one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. They traded for OG Ananobi, uh, Boyan Bandanovich. And Alan Burke, the New York Knicks are a true contender to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Can the threat go to the NBA Finals? If they can stay healthy, Julius Randle a little banged up, Mitchell Robinson is banged up, Jalen Brunson who's having the MVP season is banged up. All three of those guys going to be back at the start of the second half of the season. And let's see this new New York team Knicks with all the pieces they add. Let's see what they can do in this second half of the season and to the postseason. Let alone, let's just hope that head coach, uh, what's my man's name for the, their head coach, uh, Tom Theobald. Theobald, I can't pronounce his name. I know I jacked it up. Let's just hope that he doesn't wear out the players because he is known for playing his starters 40-plus minutes. He doesn't believe in resting their legs. And remember it happened last time when he had a very good team in the Chicago Bulls. And he had a superstar named Derrick Rose. And he wore Derrick Rose down to the point where Derrick Rose tore up his knee. Let's hope that doesn't happen again in New York. So the Knicks are off to a very good start this first half of the season. Let's see if they finish strong. But the one team we don't have to worry about finishing strong is the Boston Celtics because I I, I want to believe it was sometime this week or last week they beat the Brooklyn Nets by 50 without Jalen Brown in the lineup. Boston Celtics are true contenders to win an NBA championship led by Jalen Brown, Jason Tano, Aaron Holl- excuse me, Drew Holiday, Christos Porzingis. They got a forehead of mustard over there, and this team is clicking since day one. And the one thing you got to worry about Boston is that do they got enough size? Do they got someone other than Christoph Porzingis they could bang with? Down low post, Christoph is not a banger. Now, you can sit here and say they got Al, Al Horford. Al Horford is not a young man anymore. So with Boston – What's it going to come down to, for me personally, bigs. That's it. But even if they don't make a move now to the start of the second half of the season, because, you know, there are a lot of players who are getting bought on their contracts. We just seen the Danella Gullinari just signed by the Milwaukee Bucks, and we will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. We see guys like P.J. Tucker or the Clippers who did get bought out who's still on the team, and we will talk about P.J. Tucker and Bones Highland. So we're going to see this second half of the season which top teams 
are going to show up and identify themselves as the team to beat. Because right now, Boston's one, Phoenix is one, the Clippers, who we'll, we will talk about, is one. I just said the Knicks. The Sixers will be a big threat once Joe and B come back. The Milwaukee Bucks, who we will talk about here in a few seconds or so, struggling. One of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. We also we got the Sacramento Kings, who was an NBA darling last season. They're AC. The New Orleans Pelicans, the one team that we thought that will take that next jump this season, sitting there at Number six or seven, and let me let me look this up because they are, in my opinion, one of the most disappointing teams. Because damn, they ain't even showing up. And and I had seen some online, um, about the Pelicans. You know, should they keep? Uh, was it uh, Brandon Ingram, or should they trade? Zion Williamson. And in a perfect world, you would say keep both of them. Uh, here go to standing. So so here we go. So the New Orleans Pelicans sitting at number six. Behind them is the Mavericks, the Kings, the Lakers, and the Warriors. And what separates between New Orleans and Golden State is five games. Technically, they are the Pelicans are tied with the Phoenix Suns uh, for fifth place, but because of record in the division in the conference, uh, Phoenix Suns has the edge at third. Both teams sits at thirty three and twenty two, uh, but has the New Orleans Pelicans underachieved this season? Yes, they have. Because when you see a team of their stature with the two best players on their team who probably on any given night, two best players on the court are not doing it. I mean, for the first time we have not heard one thing about Zion Williamson being hurt. We haven't heard one thing about Zion negatively. Really? Uh, he leads the team in scoring at 22.4. Brandon Ingram leads the team in assists at 5.8. And the leading field goal percentage is Zion at 58.5. Now, when I look at these numbers, even though the Pelicans do sit in the first place in their division, but when I look at Zion Wilson's number, but I look at Brandon Ingram's number average of 21.4. Yeah, these guys are not scoring like we think they would. They should be somewhere between 28 and 27 points per game. Especially Zion Williamson, as efficient as he is, he should be somewhere 29, 30 points per game. And he played in 44 games out of 51. Excuse me, out of 55. So it, it I don't know why this team is not gelling. I don't know why this team is not playing the way we think they should be playing. I mean, Look, Brandon Ingram is averaging 33.4 minutes per game. Zion averaging 30.5 minutes per game. With the Zion minutes, I understand because he is prone to getting injured. You really don't want him to play a lot of minutes right now. You kind of want to preserve that for the postseason if they get there. And But Brandon Ingram at 33.4 minutes per game, that, that is kind of shocking because I would expect him to play at least close to 40 minutes. And C.J. McCollum, 32.1. 
Uh, Jonas, uh, 25.5. Trey Moore for 25.8. Uh, Hurt Jones, Jordan Hawkins. Uh, they got, they're playing a lot of guys, a lot of minutes. They got, they got a lot of guys who are, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They got 14 guys playing 10 minutes or more. You have 12 guys playing 18 minutes or more on this team. And I kind of think to me that's the issue because I understand everybody got to get minutes. I understand that uh, De'Ron Seaborn, he got to get his minutes. Carol Lewis, well, Carol Lewis got traded, so it, it don't matter with his minutes. But you just signed Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's playing 10 minutes. He's going to want his minutes. Larry Nance going to want his minutes. Jose Everardo, Dyson Daniels, Najee Marshall, Matt Ryan, Jordan Hawkins, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, all those guys going to need their minutes to play. And all those guys I think that huge contributors to this team. But you really taking minutes away from your key guys, your starting five, and your top three bench players. So I expect this second half of the season, I expect New Orleans to work that out because, man, they should be a top three team in the Western Conference with that talent, especially when you got Zion and Brandon Ingram, one of the top duels in the NBA. And, you know, that's something, you know, I got to they got to work that out because, you know, if they don't get past the first round this season, we might have to entertain that discussion of who to build this team around, Brandon, Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson. Um, I want both because they both can play together. But if they don't get past the first round, we're going to have to entertain that conversation. Also, you know, it's the all-star break. And the rising star game already happened. You know, Ben uh, Matherin won uh, rising star MVP, you know, for his uh, for that game. And he led his team to a victory in his hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, that they played at the uh, Game Bridge Fieldhouse. I think the most telling point that I'm going to take away from that game is that when he walked over and told – Jaden Ivey, that he can't guard him in the All-Star game. So not only he can't guard him in the regular season, he can't guard him in the Rising Star Challenge. He can't guard him. And, you know, you got to appreciate the trash talk because it, it, when he said that, I mean, Ivy Ivy face went from smiling, then it, it, it got real serious. It got real personal. And Ben Matherin, uh, I mean, you know, he proved his point. Jane Ivy couldn't guard. He couldn't. But it's good to see that the uh, this young fella, you know, basically telling another guy in this draft class who was drafted ahead of him that, yo, you can't guard me. You're not better than me. Now it's interesting to see how is Jaden Ivy going to respond to that challenge? that Ben Matherin threw at him. I mean, granted, yeah, it was a rising. It was an all-star game for those freshmen and sophomores, but this is also part of the regular season. And I don't have uh, the numbers and stats in front of me, the head-to-head matchup between the uh, the two young guys. But I'm quite sure I'm more confident that Ben Matherin has been dominating that matchup. 
And I know both guys don't play the same position, but, you know, Ben Matherman has to put up better numbers and he's on a better team. Interesting. That's all I got to say with that. Very, very interesting to trash talk in the Rising Star game. And, you know, one of those things, we're going to see how the response is going to be when the Pacers and Pistons play each other in the regular season in the second half. Speaking of Pistons, man, you know, I, I just hate piling on my hometown team. I hate the season they're having. I'm disappointed in my hometown team. But I'm also disappointed in this particular player for just doing something stupid as a young player. In which, now come the question, should he even be on the team? I'm talking about Detroit Pistons backup center, Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart punched Drew Eubanks in the face in the tunnel in which security quickly broke it up. And afterwards, Isaiah Stewart was arrested and he was charged. Now, I know everybody thinking, did Drew Eubanks press charges? Because usually that's what happened when someone get arrested, the person who got hit, got punched, neutral press charges against the aggressor, and that, and that, and that. We don't know. So I'm not been here to speculate. Uh, did he press charges or not? Or did someone, did a off-duty police officer seen this and decided to arrest him? We don't know. We don't know the whole story. But what I do would like to say is that Isaiah Stewart's a knucklehead and that's something he shouldn't have done. I'm not the only one who thinks that because Fiend the Sun superstar Kevin Durant said he is disappointed in Isaiah Stewart and he disappointed the incident that happened on Wednesday night. Now, prior to the Phoenix Suns matchup against the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday night, two players from opposite teams engaged in a verbal altercation which turned physical. According to reports, Detroit Pistons sent Isaiah Stewart threw a punch at Suns' Juju Banks. Quickly, security personnel broke up the scuffle, and Stewart found himself later arrested, according to reports. Before the game, Eubanks acknowledged the incident and made it clear that he was fine and being involved in the physical altercation. While he remained frustrated with the situation, he poked fun at it before suiting up and, and participating in the Suns' victory over the Pistons. Phoenix Sun players took the high road when discussing the incident, but one player in particular was more disappointed than fired up about, the, about what happened. It's unfortunate, Kevin Durant told reporters on Wednesday night. It's supposed to be a brotherhood. While Durant understands the situation can get heat at tense, well, let me phrase that. Kevin Durant understands the situation can get tense in the NBA, especially when, te- when there's trash talk involved. He still hopes his peers can learn a lesson from this incident and avoid similar situations in the future. I understand that dudes getting into stuff, and stuff may happen. He finished. We tried to avoid that in this league, but shit happens. We can move on from it. We all support Drew and have Drew's back. The NBA will review the incident to determine the next step if it seems trouble could be on the way for Stewart if the league proves the incident went down as reported. Stewart hasn't taken the floor for, since the Pistons' January 28 loss against Oklahoma City Thunder. If the NBA concludes 
is investigation over the break, he could see his eight-game absence stretch beyond that due to suspension. Now, the reason why Isaiah Stewart has to take the course since January 20 because he's been injured and he was working his way back to playing, getting back in the lineup. So let's go ahead and uh, now uh, I was about to say, look, I'm not going to bullshit you guys. Isaiah Stewart is going to be suspended and he's, it, it might be a lengthy suspension. He might not even play this sack eye for the season because once the police get involved, all hands on deck. And the, and the league does not like the law to get involved in something that they can take care of. So he might miss eight games now. Isaiah Stewart might be out until March. And if he's out that long, I don't see him playing this season. He, The Piston fans might see Isaiah Stewart play suit up again beginning next season. This is irresponsible. This is unacceptable. I don't care what my man said, unless he called your mama a bad name, unless he talked about your kids, unless he went up and smacked you in your face or spit on you, and spit on you, excuse me, go out there and play the game, man. Shouldn't be fighting in the tunnel. If he feel, if he feels some type of way about you, take it on the court. Show him what's up. You don't need to be fighting on the tunnel, especially when you're on a team that's got eight wins on the season. Isaiah Stewart got to be better. That's just the bottom line with it. He has to be better. And for Drew Eubanks, for a guy who really doesn't play much, I commend him for sucking in, for sucker in the young player like the way he did. You got to give him props for it. So now I want to touch on what's been going on in Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee Bucks, as of right now, they are one of the best teams, allegedly one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And I said allegedly because they haven't been playing up to their potential. The Milwaukee Bucks are sitting right now at 35 and 21. They sit on top of their division with, no, excuse me, they are two and a half games behind Cleveland. Cleveland sitting at 30-17 and the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. What a season the Cleveland Cavaliers are having, led by Donovan Mitchell, Garland, um, Evan Mobley. They're doing their thing down there, Cleveland. Milwaukee Bucks, who are led by Giannis and Damian Lillard, have not only underachieved, not only have they have not lived up to their potential and hype, from the beginning of this season when the trade happened, they also got their coach fired and Adrian Griffin. Now Doc Rivers is the head coach. And this team over the last 10 games are three and seven, currently on a two-game losing streak. Now what we can say about the Milwaukee Bucks right now is that their defense has gotten better since the last three weeks since Doc has taken over. Because we know Doc ain't playing that you know what. You gonna play if you're gonna win, you gotta play defense. The Milwaukee Bucks su- suffered one of their worst losses of the season. When they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies 113 to 110. Now you probably say that's a three game, that's a three-point loss. How could it be their worst loss of the season? Well, if you ask Doc Rivers, you know, 
he said, and I quote, we had some guys in Cabo after the brutal loss to the Grizzlies before the All-Star break. So he believed some of the guys, and let's keep it real, some of the key guys had already checked out and is prepared to go to Cabo instead of worry about their game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's a telling statement because we're talking about a team that is led by Giannis and Damian Lillard, two players who had the two chips that's about the size of the United States on their shoulder, two guys who desire, who would do anything to win, who stays hungry. Giannis stays hungry. Giannis is never, ever happy. Why he playing this game? Because he wants to win. He wants to compete. He wants to dominate. And he wants to win more championships. Because the way he look at it, one is not good enough. And the way he looks at it, the last two years, they should have won it. Damian Lillard, a guy who we all said he needs to leave Portland. The one guy we all said, if he gets to a good team, that he's going to make that team into a championship contender. If he goes to the right team, he's going to win a championship. Damian Lillard is averaging 24.8 per game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Damian Lillard is doing the exact same thing he's been doing in Milwaukee like he did in Portland. Showing up, balling, putting up good numbers. But it's not adding up to being one of the best teams in basketball, but especially it's not adding up being the best team in your division, and it's not adding up being one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. When you got two guys like that, what could absolutely be the problem that this team struggles as much? And they're 35-21. and 21. I can tell you now, the Chicago Bulls, the Detroit Pistons, the Charlotte Hornets, the Washington Wizards, the Atlanta Hawks would love to be 35 and 21. The Brooklyn Nets will love to be 35 and 21 and will love to have these same type of issues that the Milwaukee Bucks are having. But the problem is they are they are having those same issues that the Bucks are having. And you know the problem is is that the Milwaukee Bucks are not playing defense. The one thing that this team takes pride in, and their identity is playing defense. This team, led by Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, should be playing better defense. Now, when you made that trade with Phoenix, and when you seen a lot of your Grayson Allen, a good defensive player, left, when you make that trade for Drew Holiday, for Damian Lillard, you lost some defense right there. And when you sign Cameron Payne, you know that he's giving you offense, instant offense, not defense. So you went out, you made a trade, and with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, and with that trade with the Sixers, you picked up a point guard who is one of the best perimeter defensive guys on this team. And let me find him. He should be on the roster now. And let's see. I'm oh, sorry, y'all. You know, these names be slipping me sometimes. And I'm just showing my age. That's all. And not only me, so is the computer. <laughs> let's see. 
let me pull out the Milwaukee Bucks here. I mean, I hate when this when I slip this stuff slip my let's see. You got Malik Beasley, he's a defense a a decent defensive player. You trade for Patrick Beverly. All right, so basically Patrick Beverly replaces Grayson Allen. And you also signed Danella Gallinari, offensive guy, doesn't give you the D that you need. But look at the guys you do have on your team still that can play some good that plays that can play some defense. Jay Crowder. I just mentioned uh Malik Beasley. Brooke Lopez. You have a young guy named Ty Ty Washington. He's a decent player. He can play a little D. So the thing with me is, how is it that you have some very talented players who are in their prime and some good young players, and you're bad on defense? And you got two-way players, Lee Beasley. You got Jay Crowder. You have Danella Gallinari. You have uh, Ty Ty Washington Jr. You have Brooke Lopez. You have Bobby Portis. You got Damian Lillard. You got Giannis. You have a team right there that should be better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. But also, you know, this team should be one of the top teams in the Western Conference, hands down. should have a better record than they have. And the way I see it is that before I before they brought Doc Rivers in, I just kind of feel that this team wasn't a team. I kind of feel like this team, this roster, if you look at it, was it's not constructed together for Giannis and Lillard. All right? And what I mean by that is that this team is flawed. Giannis and Lillard going to have the ball in their hands majority of the time. They need guys around them that's going to, A, hit some shots, and B, defensively, you need perimeter guys who can make some, get some perimeter stops. They don't have those guys. At least, well, I should say they got those guys. They're just not playing like those guys. I mean, Giannis can guard from one through five easily. Damian Lillard is not a good uh, defensive player, period. That's what Patrick Beverly comes in. I just kind of think, the reason why Agent Griffin got fired is because this team wasn't playing no defense and because a lot of players were complaining about how this team was playing in general. I mean, we see Bobby Portis lashed out. We've seen Brooke Lopez lashed out, and Giannis never stopped. So now you bring in Doc Rivers, and defensively, they, they got better in these three weeks. They're ranked 23rd in defense, but they got better. But as their defense got better, it's like their offense just suffered. And I understand how because you got two of the best finishers in the game. Look, uh, Damian Lillard and Giannis should be running a two-man show, uh, a pick and roll from the left, from the right, up top. Now, I, could, now I will say what's hurting this team is that Chris Middleton is not Chris Middleton. He's not healthy. He's not playing like he was two years ago. He's been out with a knee injury. He recovered most of the last season from a knee injury, and now he's back, and they're taking it slow with him. They're not rushing him back. They're, he's playing one game. He's not playing the next game. And we don't know how healthy his knee is. But because he's not healthy, they're not balanced. They're not a balanced team. It's more they've been playing like a two man well look, a two man team offense. Dame and Giannis. 
It's the pick and roll show. And it, and honestly, it should be that way. Because when they're the two most dominant players on the court at all times. So not only your defense is struggling, your offense is hurting because your third best player is not healthy. You're running your offense now is the pick and roll offense. You're not balanced. But yet, your two best players have to play like your two best players. They need to feed off of each other. They're not doing that. You see games where Dame hit big shots to win ball games, or sometimes you'll see Giannis go for 43 to win ball games, but yet your two best players are not feeding off the energy off of one another, and because of that, that energy is not spread around to the other players on the team and where that energy should be. And because your two best players are not providing that energy for the rest of the team, this is what you get, a 35-21 record where you're losing to teams that you should be beating and you're also losing to teams that's on your level, talent-wise, game-wise, knowledge-wise. And because you're not showing up in those games, that's why you, you got people out here say, hey, with the right matchup, the Milwaukee Bucks could be swept in the first round of the playoff. Hey, with the right matchup, the Milwaukee Bucks is not going to win a championship. And when this trade happened, it was about championship ambition for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, look, it's not doom and gloom. It's 100% not doom and gloom for the Milwaukee Bucks. They can change this situation around. All they got to do is play better basketball, play better as a unit, get with the program that Doc Rivers is trying to show them. Because you got your other coach fired, you got him fired, and he basically played the same offense that you had when you won the championship. Didn't work. So this team needs Damian Lillard and Giannis play together. Not playing separate, but play together. They, When I mean together, they need to spread that energy to every player on that team. And every player on the team needs to play their role. Bobby Porter is one of the best six men in basketball for three years in a row. He needs to get back to doing that. Brooke Lopez was hitting shots and playing good defense ever since the championship days. Need to get back to doing that. Chris Middleton is going to have to find his way back from this knee injury because they're not going to win a championship unless Chris Middleton is somewhat healthy enough to play back-to-back games. Adrian Griffin got fired because he lost his locker room, and I don't care what nobody says. He lost his locker room because his star player, Giannis, told told us that. He told us that by complaining every time the microphone was in his face. Milwaukee Bucks is going to be a huge disappointment if they don't get to the NBA Finals. Hell, even if they don't win it, they're going to be a disappointment. Things will have to change. And and, and look, and this, the failure or success of the Milwaukee Bucks is not going to hinge on Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers came in late into this game, and the only thing Doc Rivers is going to do is trying to manage this ship, 
trying to get these guys back to playing good basketball and get these guys back to winning more games and winning the games you're supposed to win and beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. I'm not talking about the, the, the Pistons and the Hornets of the world. I'm talking about the New York Knicks of the world. I'm talking about the Indiana Pacers of the world because those teams and the Toronto Raptors, those teams are beating them. Those teams are the embarrassment that the Milwaukee Bucks should be beating on a consistent basis. I'm not talking about the Grizzlies or the Pistons or the Hornets or the Spurs. Those teams, you know, they're either rebuilding or they're having a bad season, which they're trying to tank. I'm not talking about those. And then the Grizzlies uh, position, John Morant is out for the season. Desmond Bay, he's been out for the majority of the season. Marcus Smart. He's hurt. Jaron Jackson Jr., he's hurt. So the Grizzlies are, well, at this point, they're not trying to win games. They're trying to get a good draft pick. So they, they're losing to the Grizzlies. Yes, it's an embarrassment, but those are not the teams I'm talking about. So this second half of the season, I expect more from Giannis. I expect more out of Damian Lillard. These two guys have to be the leaders to lead this team. They had to set the tone day in, day out. Literally had to set the tone on offense. Giannis got to set the tone on defense. Giannis got to be the most dominant player that everyone says he is. And Damian Lillard going to have to hit big shots. They're going to have to carry this team until Chris Middleton is somewhat right. They got to carry this team until this team as a unit is somewhat right and then get back to playing stifled defense. If they don't do that, then they're not going to get nowhere. And then we're going to hear more quotes from Doc Rivers about how this team has already checked out and ready for Cabo for the end of the season. And I guarantee you that Milwaukee front office didn't make this trade for this team to lose in the first or second or the Eastern Conference Finals. So for those players on that team, you can't look at the coaching you cannot look at the front office. So these players will have to get it together if, if they want to meet their destiny. And speaking of destiny, I want to come out and say how wrong I was about the Los Angeles Clippers and James Harden. And the reason why I want to say I'm wrong is because the Los Angeles Clippers sitting at 36-17 is not only one of the best teams in the West, one of the best teams in basketball, period. At a stretch, they were 25 and 5. James Harden even said to himself, Give us five games and watch us. It's been beyond five games, and this team has been kicking everybody's butt in the East and in the West. The Los Angeles Clippers, who over the years, who we said, well, excuse me, who everyone has said, Yo, this team could do some damage if. This team can win championship if there is no if anymore. The Los Angeles Clippers, who is the second best, the second best team in Los Angeles. And even though they had the better record than the Lakers, they still are number two in LA. The Los Angeles Clippers, who's getting a brand new arena being built in Inglewood, home. Of the Los Angeles Lakers, who owns that city, that town, the Los Angeles Clippers, who's getting a beautiful stadium that being built. We can see the Los Angeles Clippers 
in the in, in the Western Conference Finals and playing in the NBA Finals. If they continue to play the way they've been playing now, if they continue to play some stifling defense, if they continue to play and share the ball like the way they are, James Harden is only averaging 17.5 points per game, but is averaging 8.6 assists per game. Kawhi Leonard is playing 34 minutes. He has played and started 48 games and is averaging 24.1 per game. Paul George has played in 50 games and is averaging 22.5 points per game. Can I say no load management? Can I say when the NBA came down on load management, things were going to change? And when you see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing in more games, not only did scoring go up, but the win total goes up with this team as well. And when you have James Harden, who's playing team basketball, who is dishing out the ball, who is playing like he wants to be there. James Harden is averaging 17.5 points per game. Norman Powell is averaging 13.4 points per game. Zubek is averaging 11.9. Russell Westbrook has had probably one of his best seasons in the league. All the round wise is averaging 11.4 points per game. This team is playing this way because they want to win. And they know that this franchise has never won. This franchise has never seen an NBA final. The only players on this team that has played for NBA finals, Kawhi Leonard, and he won two chips. Paul Joe has never seen the final. Harden and Westbrook, early on in their career, they played for OKC. Norman Powell has not seen the championship. Terrence Mann, Mason Pumbley, Daniel Thies has played in the final. All these players on this team has not experienced the Western Conference Finals or NBA Finals. And when you got a forehead monster like they have right now who is driving, who is pushing, who is doing all they can to make that happen, you got to stand up and you got to cheer for the Clippers. You got to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. This Clippers team is going to be dangerous. This Clippers team is probably going to end up being the best team in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are, they haven't jailed that we thought they were. The Denver Nuggets has been the Denver Nuggets. They haven't kicked into the next gear yet. They're the New Orleans Pelicans, but I already talked about them. The Los Angeles Lakers, they not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. I mean, who, who else I'm missing? I, I, do you believe in the Oklahoma City Thunder? They're a young team. Same thing in the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're a young team. They just playing ball. They don't know any better. Do you see one? See those two teams beating the Clippers? I don't. Dallas Mavericks, the Sacramento Kings, the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors. They they both those teams are playing for the playing game, and with the right matchup, they can beat. OKC, they can beat Minnesota, but they can't beat the Clippers. We, this might be the year, and I kid you not, where we might see the NBA Finals between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Los Angeles Clippers, or we might see the Clippers versus the Boston Celtics. I mean, anything with the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, is a success. It's a very hard 
Wellman story. Now, there is a downside to the Clippers. And I just hope I just hope that this distraction that from these two players doesn't affect the chemistry, doesn't affect what this team is trying to do. And that's Bones Highland and PJ Tucker. Two guys in my personal honest opinion that they can help this team if they play meaningful minutes. Now, you remember I was talking about the New Orleans Pelicans and how many guys they got playing because so their talent level is so good that a lot of guys need minutes. Well, that, you can say that about the Clippers as well. And with P.J. Tucker, who came out and said that he wanted to trade and he didn't get it and he was fined $75,000. And his case is, look, he didn't ask to be there. He did one play with the Clippers. He didn't ask me trades for the Clippers. He was a throw-in from the James Harden trade. And from day one, he did not want to be there. He he wasn't playing, not getting eight minutes. He rides the bench. And I know there's been a conversation between him and Ty Lue about, you know, second half of the season. You know, if you show some type of improvement, show like you want to be here, yeah, you're going to get some minutes, you're going to play. But I, I kind of feel that no matter what, he still doesn't want to be there. And the Clippers are not going to buy him out. So if you got P.J. Tucker, what do you do? And they pick up your option your option for next year for $11.5 million. So if you P.J. Tucker, you kind of have no choice, but you're just going to have to suck it up and, and play. Even though he does not want to be there, the trade deadline is gone. No team allegedly didn't want his contract for $11.5 million for a 38-year-old player, in which I kind of I kind of doubt that because the type of energy and the corner three-point shots and the rebounding, the type of player that P.J. Tucker is, I think any contender would, would take on his contract. I'm just kind of surprised the Milwaukee Bucks didn't try to go out there and make a trade for P.J. Tucker and take on that money. They can use some of his toughest right now. But it, it, it's kind of, if you look at it, kind of realize that the Clippers don't need P.J. Tucker, but they want P.J. Tucker to, you know, um, work his way back in the rotation. And same with Bones, High, Bones Highland. You know, Bones Highland been there since last season since he was traded there from Denver. He never clicked. He never got in sync with the team. He's been riding the bench. He had, when he does play, he plays well, but he doesn't want to be there. Another player. And you just kind of hope that this type of season that the Clippers are having, that those distractions doesn't take, doesn't make this team go sideways. And with Ty Lue, who got fined $35,000 for saying that these officials were cheating, you just hope that he doesn't get into more controversy or into more argument with the officials. But other than that, it, it, the Clippers are balling, man. And I, and I kind of think, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be there. And just like any other team who's battling to make the, the finals into your conference finals, you're going to need a lot of everything. You're going to need a lot of energy. You're going to need a lot of toughness. You're going to need everything. Because right now the Clippers are playing some of their best basketball in the regular season. And just like the Milwaukee Bucks, just like the Boston Celtics, just like the Phoenix Suns, 
the different nuggets. We're not going to judge these teams basically on what they do in the regular season. With Milwaukee, they got to play better. We're not going to judge them for regular season. We're going to judge them on what they do in the postseason. And for the Clippers, they're going to have to play their best basketball in the postseason. And they have the squad and they have the potential to do it. They just have to do it. And I'm looking forward to the second half of NBA season because it's going to be, man, it's going to be exciting. I just hope that the major players live up to their billings, live up to their hype. And let's hope everybody's favorite team, the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, make a run. Let's just hope. All right, guys, this has been the Double Jill Podcast. I'm your host, D.S. Wall, and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.